I'm angry. I'm a burn down the house, bring down the establishment kind of angry. Over the past week, my anger has only grown in intensity. By God's grace and power, I have struggled to put off all anger, wrath, and malice just to keep my head. Now, my anger is nothing new for me. For decades, I have felt this anger rising from time to time, but always as a background noise of my life. My anger is about racism. The death of George Floyd at the hands of people called to protect and to serve is heinous and outrageous. It represents an utterly inexcusable betrayal of trust that is demonic, anti-Christian, and an affront to the holiness of God. I can't breathe speaks not only to the obscene tragedy that unfolded on the streets of Minneapolis, but also to the stifling oppression and demonic enslavement racism brings around the world every day and across generations. This stifling oppression circulates not only throughout people systems entrenched in racism, but also in the hearts and minds of people, no matter what the shade of their skin. Racism is not primarily an issue of skin color, but of the evil in human hearts, evil which has infected most of the people systems of this world. It is always personal and systemic. It is not a black-white issue, but an issue that arises wherever there are differences in shades of skin and personal backgrounds. I have seen or heard painful personal stories of racism expressed by black people, Latino people, Chinese people, Asian people, mixed-race people, and others. I have walked with people from City Temple through situations where they were clearly being mistreated because of racism. Even more, I have listened to stories shared that caused anger to rise within me so strong I could barely think or breathe, anger that made me personally want to confront the injustice. Only the grace and forgiveness of the ones sharing the stories held me back, uh, along with the realization that I am not the Savior. I understand and strongly support the desire of people to protest, to speak out, and to demonstrate against this evil injustice so that it might be eliminated from our world. I have also seen how too many people simply march around, hold up a sign, and return to their comfortable homes and comfortable lives with a self-serving feeling that they have done their duty. We must do more beginning with our own hearts. I pray to God that if ever faced with such a situation, I would not stand idly by recording a video on my phone, simply watch with horror as events unfolded, or pass by nonchalantly. I pray that I would willingly sacrifice my freedom or even my life by calmly, deliberately, and peacefully, yet forcefully, confronting the perpetrators of injustice with hands raised in surrender to Jesus. One of my proudest moments in the history of City Temple is when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke at City Temple on 7 December 1964 
on his way to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. In his speech, Dr. King reminded us that, I quote, There is nothing more dangerous than to build a society with a segment in that society which feels that it has no stake in the society, and nothing more dangerous than to build a society with a number of people who see life as little more than a long and desolate corridor with no exit sign. They end up with despair because they have no jobs, because they can't educate their children, because they can't live in a nice home, because they can't have adequate health facilities. He reminded us that we must never cease working with God to end racism in our world by building societies of justice founded on the inherent worth of all people before God. Dr. King also speaks down the decades to the situation we face today. He said that, I'm still convinced that nonviolence is the most potent weapon available to oppressed people in their struggle for freedom and justice. It has a way of disarming the opponent, exposing his moral defenses, it weakens his morale, and at the same time it works on his conscience and he just doesn't know how to handle it. If he doesn't beat you up, wonderful. If he beats you, you develop the quiet courage of accepting blows without retaliating. If he doesn't put you in jail, wonderful. Nobody with any sense loves to go to jail. But if he puts you in jail, you go in that jail and transform it from a dungeon of shame to a haven of freedom and human dignity. Even if he tries to kill you, you develop the inner conviction that there, are, there is something so dear, something so precious, something so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. And this is what the nonviolent discipline says, end quote. As we strongly oppose racism in all its forms, we must always affirm that rioting and its associated violence never provides a godly solution to any situation, no matter how unjust. It never brings the fullness of life promised by Jesus. Instead, it reflects the activity of Satan, the thief who comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan is altogether the author of racism, the promoter of racism in the hearts of people and the systems of this world, and the beneficiary of rioting associated with racism. As Dr. King pointed out, we are, quote, struggling to secure moral ends through moral means. In these moments, we learn why our polycultural vision at City Temple is so central to our existence as a church. In our polycultural vision, we are standing against racism in all its forms, affirming that Jesus died for all people and all people are created in the image of God no matter the color of their skin. We are declaring to the heavenly realms that racism has no place in Jesus or in his people. We are declaring that the cultures of our world should not be separate but equal, but together and equal, 
united by the love of Jesus. At City Temple, we will not view a person by the color of their skin, but by the quality of their character. We will continue to seek out the emotionally and spiritually mature to lead our church in all our ministries, no matter their ethnic background. Unlike some churches that have a diverse congregation, but a monocultural eldership, we have an eldership that reflects the diversity of our congregation. Elders chosen not because of their ethnicity, but because of their faithfulness and integrity before the Lord. We are not perfect in this, but by God's grace, we will struggle until all see that we are one in Christ Jesus and we exemplify, even in a small way, God's kingdom come in Jesus. In this moment, we must respond. We must take a stand. But how? Let me give some suggestions to get us started. We all need to repent of our own racism. We must insist that the Holy Spirit root out every trace of this evil in our own hearts and minds. We must never assume that we are completely innocent and free of this poison in our world. We must never assume that because we are victims of racism, that we are free of racism in our hearts. We need to forgive those who have acted out of their racism toward us. My heart weeps with the wounds many in our church family have experienced because of racism. I have also been humbled by how people in our church have chosen to forgive those who have wronged them in this way. I have been emboldened by how people have refused to allow racism to define them or to excuse them from righteous behavior. We need to take action in godly and just ways that open before us. Resolve to stand against racism, beginning with any racism in your own heart. Resolve to pray in any and every way possible against this evil. Now, our action begins with prayer, but it must not end with prayer. Resolve to use whatever influence and power you have politically to shape not only opinions, but also laws and practices in our society. Now, each of us will have a unique contribution to make in this war against racism, but make it we must. We must recognize that racism is not only a social problem, a systemic problem, an economic problem, and a personal problem, but it is also a spiritual problem. It is inherently demonic and evil, yet it will not be overcome merely by waging war in the way of the world. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. One reason for our historic failures in this area is that we have not recognized fully the demonic nature of the problem. Most importantly, we must recognize that the only solution to the problem of racism is the cross of Jesus Christ. We cannot legislate it away, although we need to make good laws. We cannot protest it away, although we need to take a stand. We cannot remove it by our own good intentions, 
although we need to do all the good we possibly can. We certainly cannot remove it by violence and rioting. These only entrench the ugly racism already present, deepening divisions and perversely giving people a sense that their racist views are somehow justified. We must proclaim the cross of Christ as the only hope for a world of people who are dead in trespasses and sins, including the sin of racism. Transformed hearts transform families. Transformed families transform communities. Transformed communities work together to transform our world with the power of God in Jesus Christ. Let us resolve to war and struggle against racism in our lives and in our world until, by God's grace, either the scourge of racism has been removed from our world or Jesus Christ has returned, uniting all redeemed humanity as equals in himself. My name's Rodney Woods. I'm the minister of City Temple. The views herein represent my own.